Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture reading is taken from the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. This is one of my favorite verses which says, Who his own self, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. You have two sides to this. First, you have the work that Jesus did on the cross. He bore our sins in his own body as he hung on the cross, as he hung on the tree. And he did that so that we would be dead to sins. Being dead to sins means that our sins are forgiven. One of the things that Jesus did as he hung on the tree was to bear our sins. In other words, all the sins that we have committed, past, present, and future, were put on the Lord Jesus Christ as he hung on that tree. And the scripture tells us that God darkened the place, that it was so dark that no one could see the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the God-man hanging on that cross as the sins of the world were put on him. And he made a payment for our sins. He died in our place and took the hell that we deserve, the punishment for each and every one of our sins, was placed on the Lord Jesus Christ as he hung between heaven and earth. And so he did all the work of salvation, and what we need to do is receive it by faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never, glory to his name. Glory to his name, glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. It's a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Sammy Fukushan, who has a wonderful church ministry in downtown Paris. You told me about a Bible that you have. I'm really interested to tell the folks about this Bible. I'm excited about this. Maybe I need to bring it next time. You need to bring it. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe you ought to let me uh, be the trustee. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, a, it's a Bible that uh, a Jewish businessman gave to me when I used, I used to work for him for, on a summer job uh, when I was about 20. Uh, so 34 years ago, and so he gave me this Bible, and uh, it's, it's an amazing, big, huge Bible from the Reformation. The Bible is from 1638, precisely. Well, that's already amazing by itself, but uh, uh, I, I always have this Bible with me. Actually, when we moved to the U.S., the only thing I brought with me was this Bible. Wow. Uh, to, I, I wanted to be sure it would be safe, uh, and so, uh, I mean, not sure it's safe with me, but I want to be sure I keep an eye on this Bible, and so... Uh, a few years after I got this Bible, I was uh, the Bible was in in our church there, and in history, 
a history professor visited us that, that Sunday morning. And after the church service, the first thing he did, he saw this Bible from far away. So he went in the pulpit and he saw the Bible, started to look at it. And I could hear him saying, I can't believe it. Wow, that, that's, that's amazing. I mean, he was talking to himself. And so um, then he called me, he said, Sammy, come see. And said, do, 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 you know, do you know what's here? I said, what are you talking about? And I have to say, this Bible at the end has the Psalter, like many Bibles, which is already nice. <laughs> uh, but also, this edition of the Bible at the very end has the confession of faith I was talking about that was written in the very neighborhood where we are now. And this is rare to have the confession of faith uh, from the 1559. But this confession of faith at the very last page of the Bible has a handwriting signature. And that's what the, where this professor was looking at. He says, do you know what this means? And I say, I have no clue. He says, well, it means that this Bible has been given to a pastor the day of his ordination. And he publicly signed at the end of this Bible to say publicly, I commit myself to preach according to God's word and to the confession of faith. And I think it's what's interesting that this, this businessman who was not a Christian uh, gave me this Bible because he knew I wanted to become a pastor. And uh, I had no clue that this Bible would come to the very place where this confession of faith was written. And that, and I, and I said that, I mean, uh, with, uh, with a humble way just to say, uh, the denomination we're working with, the Evangelical Reformed Church in France, is the only one today in France that still do that. When I get ordained, I, 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 I commit myself to preach God's word according to his word and to the confession of faith. And just to think that this Bible did this huge journey and is now right there. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is another way to, for the Lord to tell what I've seated there, this, the blood of the martyr is not done. And there's still hope for the gospel. And we see people coming to Christ. And that's, that's really very exciting. Praise the Lord. Praise, Say, the, praise Lord. the Lord. Thank Amen. you. It's outrageous, man. Yes, praise the Lord. Uh, we really appreciate the ministry you've had over the years. You've been so faithful. And uh, God has still given you uh, good health and uh, many years of service ahead. And we just are so thankful for you. And praise the Lord for you. May the Lord bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour, and we really appreciate the prayers of those who pray for us each week and help us financially to support this broadcast. As you know, this is a listener-supported ministry, and we count on your donations to help us stay on the air. This month, we're offering a really wonderful book of poems by Helen Steiner Rice, who a famous Christian writer. It's entitled, A Collection of Love Gifts, and I just thought I'd read one poem out of this wonderful uh, booklet. It's called He Loves You. It's amazing and incredible, but it's as true as it can be. God loves and understands us all, and that means you and me. His grace is all sufficient for both the young and old, for the lonely and the timid, for the brash and for the bold. His love knows no exception, so never feel excluded. No matter what or what you are, your name has been included. And no matter what your past has been, trust God to understand, and no matter what your problem is, just place it in his hand. For in all of your 
for in all of our unloveliness, this great God loves us still. He loves us since the world began. And what's more, he always will. What a wonderful... You can get a copy of this wonderful booklet, A Collection of Love Gifts, by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Found free grace and dying love, a newborn again. Been long time a-talking about my trials here below. Free grace, free grace, free grace, sinner. Free grace, free grace, a newborn again. So glad, so glad I'm newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. I found my Lord has set me free. I'm newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. Free grace, free grace, free grace, sinner. Free grace, free grace, I'm newborn again. So glad, so glad I'm newborn again. Been long time a-talking about my trials here below. Been long time a-talking about my trials here below. Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson. Printed copies are available upon request. Most of us know about the Ten Commandments, but have you ever heard of the Eleventh Commandment? I want to talk about that today, but first of all, let me tell you something interesting. A man telephoned his wife from a pay telephone, and finishing his call, he said goodbye and replaced the receiver. As he was walking away, the phone rang. Thinking he owed more money, he lifted the receiver and heard the operator say, I thought you'd like to know, sir, just after you hung up, your wife said she loved you. Precious. But you know, whether you've hung up on God or not today, he says, I love you. He says, I know your problems. I can solve them. I know your needs. I can supply them. Just cast your care on me. I care for you and I love you. Have you experienced his love? Wouldn't you like to? It's interesting that love is so lacking today. If there was ever a day when love is needed to be prominent in our society, it's now. There's so much hatred and evil and bias and bigotry and revenge and selfishness, and I could go on and on. And then there's just uh, human love, which never goes far enough. What we need today is God's love shining out of a true Christian heart and life. And that true love, God's very love, has to begin in the life of every believer in Christ. Jesus said something in the New Testament, which is really very, very vital. John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus gave what I would like to call the 11th commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Yes, this is not an option. It's the command of Jesus, and you'll find it all through the scriptures. Peter, Paul, John, James, Jude, they all write about it. And this morning, 
For our text, I want to share with you what Peter says about living in the last times or the last days, and I want to emphasize this 11th commandment of Jesus, which he undoubtedly refers to, loving one another. I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. Verse 8 is the verse we're going to dwell on, but 1 Peter 4, 7 to 10. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now verse 8. And above all things have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Yes, Peter is saying here that love is the very first thing of importance. And then he says something very interesting. He says this love will cover the multitude of sins. What in the world does that mean? We're going to talk about that in just a few moments, but now let's think for a minute. Very often in Christian work and church activities, this new commandment of Jesus is forgotten in the hurry, the excitement, the strain of duties and changing circumstances by the very people to whom it was given because Jesus was speaking to his own. When he said, love one another as I have loved you, and by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. And uh, that love, someone has illustrated, is much like a plant. It will only grow and remain in health if it's cared for. The cultivation of our love for one another and for others is a personal responsibility. You see, you and I have to allow that love to absolutely possess and then flow through our lives. But what kind of love are we talking about here? Paul wrote about it too in a great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. He said, now abides faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And then Peter says, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. Now, in the King James translation, verse 8 of 1 Peter 4, the word charity is used. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. But the actual Greek word here is the word agape. It's used in the New Testament 29 times, and every instance where it occurs, it means God's love. Now, charity is an important thing, but a person can be charitable without having God's love in their heart, motivating or prompting it. On the other hand, I have known some very charitable people whose only motive was the very love of God reaching out through them to give and to give and to give of themselves in love. Now, when we think of this word love, did you know there are three well-known Greek words for love? One is eris, one is phileo, and the other is agape. The word eris, used in Greek mythology as the god of love, used in classical Greek for love between the sexes, love of sweethearts, and so on. But it is never used in the New Testament translation. 
The other two are phileo and agape, and phileo is a broader word, generally used for love between friends, kindly, friendly affection, used for the love of parents for their children, children for their parents, and used to promote a, a good brotherly love feeling among uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in the fellowship of the church. But then agape, agape is used for the highest kind of love, all absorbing, dominating one's whole being. And in 1 Corinthians 13, where it is found nine times, and here in this text where it is found twice, 1 Peter 4, 8, the word love here is agape love. That's God's very love. And it says that this kind of love is to be expressed among ourselves. Now, how in the world can a person express God's very love? Well, it only happens when they are born again. If you have never been born again and become a true Christian, you have never experienced, nor can you ever express God's love, agape love. Here's what it says in the Bible in Romans 5 and verse 5. It says, the love of God is shed abroad, that's agape love, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given unto us. And that happens when we receive Christ. When we acknowledge we're sinners, repent of the sin, believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins, shed his blood to forgive us. When we turn from our sins and receive him into our hearts by faith and put our faith and trust in Christ, Christ alone and his finished work on Calvary, we are saved, we are cleansed, we are born again, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And when he does, he sheds abroad in our hearts. He floods our hearts with the very love of God. And unless that happens, I repeat, you cannot experience or express that love. That's probably why so many people in churches today who claim to be Christians are hard to get along with. They have an unforgiving spirit. They often say, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. They fight with one another. Why? Because they've never truly been born again. They're just constantly a bitter people. They do not have the love of God in their hearts. Maybe you better search your heart out today if you're that kind of person. Because no matter how much you profess, it's what comes out in your daily living that proves whether or not your profession of a Christian is really true and real. Now, what does it mean when it says in this text that this love, this agape love will cover multitude of sins, a multitude of sins? Now, how can that be? I want to share two things and explain what this means. Love, God's love, agape love, will cover another's sins by forgiving them, and love will cover another's sins by forgetting them. Now, what does it mean that we have the ability to cover another's sins or multitude of sins by forgiving them? Does it mean that a Christian has the power to say, that, that uh, another person is forgiven by God? Well, only on the basis of Scripture. But you see, what it means clearly is that no Christian has the power 
to atone for another person's sins. Only Jesus Christ did that on the cross of Calvary. And a person can only know the forgiveness of sins by coming to Christ, who says, I will forgive you of all your sins if you trust me. But what we're talking about here and what Peter's talking about is within the family of God or even the framework of a neighborhood or where you work or whatever, when another person sins against you, when they do something bad toward you, when they say something evil about you, when they are sinful toward you, Love will cover that person's sins toward you by your forgiving them. You see, Peter says, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. This is so important. It's not an option. It's this 11th commandment. Jesus said, love one another. And so when you do that, it means that you say, I forgive you for what you did against me. Now, it's interesting how uh, people love to dwell upon the guilt of someone else. But you see, the Bible teaches clearly that that is not the answer. Uh, if you dwell upon the guilt of yourself, it will drive you to despair. If you dwell upon the guilt of someone else toward you, it will drive you to revenge. And God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. The Bible clearly teaches that we are to forgive as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us, Ephesians 4.32. Somebody says, well, I'll forgive only if, if he or she forgives me, or I'll forgive, but uh, I'll never forget, or I'll forgive if so-and-so does this, this, that. That is not the way God forgives. Would you want God to forgive you like that? The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, I repeat that we are to be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. How does he forgive us? He forgives us fully. He forgives us freely. He forgives us finally. He forgives us faithfully. Every time we sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't try to cover your own sins. Proverbs 28, 13 says, <laughs> you won't prosper. But if you have a forgiving spirit because the love of God flows out from you, you will be able to forgive another brother or sister, and that will cover the sins they've done against you. But the other side of that coin, and they go together, is that love will cover another's sins by forgetting them. You see, the forgetting part is so vital because when you really forgive a person, you do forget that they ever said that or did that against you. And the measure of your love for God is clearly expressed by the measure of your forgiving and forgetting spirit toward others. Love is like a lubricant, and as you go around, you'll find squeaky people everywhere, squeaky saints, squeaky people who just constantly uh, uh, make life miserable for others. They squeak about everything, 
and you could go around with love, just like a little can of oil and just drop a drop or so of love into people's hearts and lives by saying a kind, loving word, doing a kind, loving deed. I read about an interesting story uh, of a Christian mechanic who lost an expensive tool from his toolkit. Sometime later, recognized it in the kit of one of his fellow workmen. And he, being the only Christian in the shop, felt it incumbent upon him to show forgiveness. So after praying about it, he went to his fellow mechanic and said softly and kindly, I see you have one of my tools in your kit. You may keep it if you need it. He then dismissed the incident and forgot about his missing tool. But during the next few weeks, his fellow workmen tried in three different occasions to give him the value of the missing tool. Once he offered to give him another of equal value, and again by offering his services after hours, and finally by slipping money into the coat pocket of this man. The incident closed by the two men becoming close and lasting friends. The guilty man said, I couldn't stand being forgiven. Yes, true forgiveness always pays off because it is Christ-like. Above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins by forgiving and by forgetting. Oh, if you want to promote and preserve peace and unity and love among your fellow church members and among your neighbors, adopt a loving attitude toward them. Let God's love flow out from you and through you. Forgive the sins that made you sad. Forget them, though they seem so bad, with God's love gushing from your heart. He'll give you grace for a brand new start. Yes, above all things, fervent love among each other covers the multitude of sins. And by this, Jesus said, all men will know that those who truly are Christians do belong to Jesus Christ because they love one another. That's the key to revival in the church, the key to a transformation of life in this nation. Why not let it begin in you today? God bless you, my friend. I trust the message that you just heard will be a great blessing to you, not only today, but throughout the, this next week. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're so concerned about people and their spiritual well-being. We trust those of you who have walked with the Lord for many years, have sensed God's presence, trust that God will continue to bless you throughout this next week. There may be some that have listened to this broadcast who are not sure of their relationship with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those 
I'd like to share what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that every last one of us, including myself, have all sinned. And because of one sin, we're not eligible to be in the presence of a holy God who is perfect and pure and righteous. So we are separated from him and we need a savior. And the savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God. He became man. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross and on the cross he bore your sins in his own body as he took your place and took your hell and took the punishment for your sin as he hung there. He died but he rose again on the third day and he's alive and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father and all you need to do is understand the fact that you are a sinner and you need grace, you need a savior and you need to ask Jesus Christ to come in your life. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Don't forget to order your copy of Helen Steiner Rice's booklet entitled A Collection of Love Gifts. I know you will enjoy this booklet very much. You can get your copy by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also find past broadcasts at www.missiongo.org. That's M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. I trust the Lord will bless you throughout this next week. 